Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, December 12th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going with you this week? Very good. Thank you, Graham. Uh, so World Cup fever continues. I guess our teams will have met in the interim between recording this and uh, <laughs> and and the airing of this episode. When I say our teams, I mean the teams that, you know, of the countries that we live in, England and France. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, may the best team win, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you, you jumped ship, Graham. I thought you were supporting America, but obviously the U.S. got knocked out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to have a, you know, and and I and actually between you and me, I'm going to support you if, if France doesn't make it. So that, that's, I got to, you always have to have a team to kind of maintain interest, right? Nice, so, nice. Um, yeah. So um, let's go over the MBA admission stuff because it's been, you know, last week was a crazy week with a lot of decisions coming and a lot of activity on Livewire. And then this week's another one. So just run us through kind of what's been happening and what we can look forward to this week. Yeah, we're in the midst of what we call internally decision week. So last week, um, lots of top schools were scheduled to release decisions. We're actually recording this on Wednesday of last week. So we don't know yet. We haven't seen the Wharton um, sorry, the Harvard decision release, which is scheduled for Thursday. We have <laughs> we have seen some um, um, admits reported um, for Stanford, um, as as they call admitted candidates before their decision release on Thursday. Right. Uh, we've seen a lot of activity out of Yale, out of um, Darden, several other um, programs um, releasing their decisions. There was a little hiccup on the Darden side, but all the right people got the right decisions on the right day. So. That's absolutely um, fantastic. This upcoming week is another big week. Um, so um, so today, Keenan Flagler and ESE are supposed to release their round one um, decisions. Um, and then Wednesday, Sloan, Kellogg and Anderson, followed on Thursday by Wharton and then Haas and McCombs. Wow. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, and so forth. So it's super busy week. And again, as folks know, um, they have these published decision release dates, and then some schools will use the phone um, a day or two beforehand to um, personally congratulate folks. So, so even if a decision is scheduled for for a specific day, you, they may be hearing a day or two earlier. Yeah, so it's been a, a crazy period here. I, I we love this time of year because people are getting decisions. You know, the folks that we talk to on a monthly basis who are part of Clear Admit Plus, like I can't wait to sort of hear how things turn out. Wishing them all the best of best of luck. And uh, yeah, it's just a great time of year when people's you know work gets to be recognized, hopefully with some positive <laughs> admissions outcomes. Uh, over on the website, Alex, we've done a couple more Real Humans pieces. So we actually caught up with a bunch of students at Foster, University of Washington's business school out in Seattle. Um, and it's a school that I, I'm intrigued by just because, you know, they've really kind of um, upped their game in terms of placements. They're, you know, really well placed, um, <laughs> no pun intended, they're really well placed being in Seattle with respect to, you know, the likes of Amazon and, and Microsoft and stuff. So um, we caught up with a bunch of students there, asked them about their journey, uh, the admissions journey to Foster and what it's like being a student there. And we did the same thing for UT Austin McCombs down in Texas. So yeah, those are always fun to read and, and we keep, um, you know, putting them out. I think we're getting close to the end of that. So there'll be a few more, but we're, you know, heading to towards the end of our Real Human series, which is always so much fun yeah. um, to catch up with all these students. But I'd, I'd say, Graham, both of those programs are, are quite sort of well positioned for the tech sector. Yes. Um, McCombs in Texas, in, in Austin and 
and obviously um, 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 Foster in, in Seattle with Microsoft and Amazon or whoever else is in Seattle. Interesting times for those types of programs ahead, I would think. Yeah, because one of the things, and that's a perfect segue, we're going to talk about the Yale Employment Report. And, you know, one of the things we've been noting in employment reports is this sort of, you know, gradual decline in tech placements. You know, the numbers are all great, right? But we've seen it, and I expect that's going to continue. And so you raise a really interesting point. Um, but let's let's get into Yale. So, you know, three months out, 96% of Yale graduates in the class of 22 had received a job offer and 93% had accepted. And these, again, all these numbers are always about the percentage of people um, who are looking for a job, right? So people who are sponsored or starting their own company are not in these figures. Um, but Alex, any idea? I, actually, I think I told you before we came on air what the, <laughs> the median salary is. Um, so I'll just, I'll just spill the beans there. It was 160000 um, do you remember what it was last year, though? I don't, but I assume it's a slight increase. Yeah, yeah. So they were at 140 last wow. year. So they had a nice bump up to 160. Uh, what about the signing bonus? 30000 There you go. <laughs> $30,000 average signing bonus. I guess all the companies have colluded to just make that the number that they, <laughs> that they offer uh, to candidates at any school. Uh, let's get into the um, industry placements. So Yale graduates went into consulting at a rate of 46%, finance 21.7%, technology 7.6%, retail and e-commerce, which is this extra category that Yale tends to use, 6.5%, and then consumer packaged goods, 4.9%. And the only thing I want to call your attention to, Alex, there is that the consulting number, as I said, 46% is up from 34%. Uh, the finance number is down ever so slightly. It was 25% last year, 21% this year. Um, tech also down, was 10%, now 76 And the same with this retail e-commerce category, which used to be about 10% and is now at 65 um, Consumer packaged goods uh, was like 5% and it, it, it was 58 last year. So somewhat more steady, I guess. But what do you make of that? It's a good job top consulting firms recruit at top business schools. That's all I can say, because we've seen <laughs> it now week in, week out. All the top programs, it looks like that consulting percent of the class has gone up significantly. What's really interesting, actually, is uh, your, your co-founder, Elliot, is going to do a deep dive in a lot of these employment reports now to see if there is a shifting trend yeah. away from tech it, it appears to be toward consulting yeah. and and we we anticipate that would be more so this upcoming season given all the recent um layoff news from the tech sector but i wasn't anticipating such a shift um from last season's employment reports i think this is super interesting graham yeah, it's yeah, it is. It's like an early indicator that things were shifting before all these announcements even came out. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, um, and I want to pat ourselves on the back because we were the ones that you know were saying we were kind of noticing this trend and said to Elliot, who loves kind of digging into the numbers, that you know he might want to do some digging. So, yeah, stay tuned. I think we're gonna have some articles that we publish about this stuff. Yeah. As to the regional and, and, and like, placements, and, and, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, and like I suggested, Graham, I really encourage you to find a career management director and do a podcast and, and really push push this the yeah let, let see, see from the front line what they're what, what they're hearing yeah yeah agreed all right so if there are any career services directors tuning in because i do know some admissions folks and, and such do tune in they, they can reach out and i'm also i'll do some digging and see if we can find somebody to come on the show that would be really interesting 
let's get into just before we talk about our candidates, there's one more piece of the Yale employment report I wanted to touch on, and that's the regional placements. So they sent 49% of their graduates into the Northeast uh, versus 52% last year. They sent 20% of their grads to the West Coast versus 26% last year. So that's off a bit. Uh, 5% to the Midwest, down from 8% the prior year. They sent 10% into the Mid-Atlantic, that being like Philly and and D.C. uh, And that's actually up a tick from 7% last year. Southwest, 3% down from 5%. And in the South, they've got 3% holding steady, same figure as last year. So any thoughts on their kind of regional placement stats? I think the West Coast drop number is probably correlated with the tech sector drop number. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think one thing, I, I don't have the number in front of me, I probably should have, but it's I feel like um, they're not quite as Northeast uh, concentrated as, say, I think MIT was, or certainly not as the New York schools are. So that was just kind of interesting to see. So they are sending a good number of people to different markets. Um, and I know Yale has a little outpost in um, Washington, D.C. They have some sort of a program offering, which is totally escaping me right now, but I think it's more at the executive level, but they might be using that outpost to help um, build that kind of you know mid-Atlantic figure. So that's that's a nice thing to see. Yeah, yeah, but as we've discussed in the past, Mid-Atlantic and Northeast, they should be one region. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, it, that, agreed, yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into the candidates, but I did want to say we got a review for the podcast, and it had been a little while, and this is from someone who I guess used to listen on Spotify and switched over to Apple, and so they were able to write a review, because Spotify only allows for ratings, right? No reviews yet. And so the title of the review was The Leading Source for MBA Admissions Advice. They gave us a five-star rating, and they said, um, I've been listening to this podcast for a year and a half, and I thoroughly look forward to it each Monday. I've learned so much by listening to Alex and Graham give advice to applicants week after week. It's also very helpful during the admissions journey to hear weekly updates on what is happening in the admissions landscape. Though I've never been profiled on the show, I gained a lot of clarity about MBA admissions and felt equipped to hit submit this fall as a result of listening to their advice for a consistently diverse from a consistently diverse selection of candidates. I highly recommend this to any prospective applicants. So that was a really nice review. And I, I just want to say, I really hope that this person gets good results and maybe they can update us, send us an email at info at clearadmit.com to just let us know how things turned out and whether our advice actually was good. <laughs> or they could post on DecisionWire and let us know Yes. Um, on, on that tool, how they made out. But what's interesting about this, this um, um, review, Graham, it's the first review that's actually said that they enjoyed this preamble. Oh yeah. Before we get into each of the the, the, the candidates we're we're dissecting. So I'd often wondered actually if if people listen to this preamble or we should just, just go straight into the, <laughs> I the candidates. So that that was nice to hear. Yeah, definitely. And I, I do think sometimes we need to speed this part up and get into the <laughs> the candidate reviews, but it is fun to talk shop and it's just to sort of take st- stock of like what's you know what's yeah. going on. So um but without further ado, let's get into the candidates for this week. What do you say? <laughs> Very good. Let's kick on. All right. So this is Wiretap's candidate number Number one. So our first candidate this week is from an Applywire entry, and it's a candidate that doesn't want to start school until the fall of 24, so they got a little bit of lead time here. They've got seven schools on their current target list, and those schools are Berkeley, Columbia, Harvard, Kellogg, Stanford, UCLA, and USC Marshall. 
This candidate is in the army. They're an army officer. Um, they'd like to pivot into consulting after business school, and they have, you know, MBB, but also Accenture and and Booz Allen and, and Deloitte um, on the list. So the pretty pretty wide um, grouping there of consulting firms. They have a 3.51 undergraduate GPA, and they actually have nine years of work experience. They are a 30-year-old white male, um, and that means that they're going to have you know 10 years or so of experience by the time they apply. And and you know I was doing the math; they'll probably be what 33 or 34 by the time they graduate from business school. So um, just keep that all in mind. They did graduate from a top 10 public undergraduate where they earned that 3.5. Um, they are currently a battery commander, um, and, and I don't know exactly what that means, but they're in charge of 150 plus people, and they've had a lot of promotions in both rank and position over the course of their military experience. They claim they can easily demonstrate impact. They also were pretty active as an undergraduate, um, you know, in terms of like outside activities, and they're thinking about taking an internship and doing some private sector work as they roll out of the army in the coming year or so. Um, so that's another kind of factor. They don't have a test yet, and they need to take the test. They say they're going to take the GRE.、Um, but anyway, I'll leave it to you, Alex. What do you make of this candidacy, and any advice for them as they move forward here with the plan? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to like here in terms of their military experience. I think that will be、um, a, a standout for them. Their leadership exposure, their impact, and 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 so on and so forth. You you would imagine that's all going to be very. Um, very strong.、Um, the 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 fact that they're going to be applying with ten years of experience, it, it's it's going to be a little bit of a challenge for them just to make sure that they can demonstrate fit, that they'll be、um, fully engaged in the whole MBA experience and so forth, and a little bit on the recruiting side, you know, making sure that it, you know, that 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 it, it, it's clear. As you say, at thirty three, they'll be able to transition easily into these high, high sort of, not high pressure, but but sort of, you know, these sort of consulting roles that they're they're seeking. I do like their long term goal、um, in terms of、um, you know working in sports,、um, whether it's、um, sports brands or, or or with teams, so either with Nike or with a sports team or whatever in sort of either operations or a marketing role. Um, post consulting, assuming that there's something in their background that sets them up for that, so there's a persistent interest、um, in in sort of these,、um, you know, sports activities or something like that,、um, that would be good. They've got to take the GMAT or GRE.、Um, so, really, you know, if they are planning to apply um, um, next season, they've got the time to really do a deep dive and prepare super well. So, if they can come in with a Representative um, um, test score that you know hits the median of, of the schools that they're targeting.、Um, I think that will also go、um, a long way.、Um, so for for the most part, Graham, I really like this profile.、Um, the the age and and you know number of years experience just presents a couple of little challenges in terms of showing that fit. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I I think overall、um, there's a lot to like. They are doing something a little. I'm not saying unorthodox necessarily, but of, most often we see veterans transitioning straight into the MBA from their military career.、Um, this candidate is seeking to do some kind of an internship beforehand, and I think that. Is is quite a sensible and, and a smart choice, in as much as it'll help them prepare for the next several years of their journey, starting、right. with the MBA. But it's 
just doesn't seem to be the, the usual step that military candidates take, Graham. Yeah, I mean, I, I like this candidacy too. And I did want to mention that if there's any group that gets a little bit of a pass when it comes to being older, yeah, it's usually the military, right? Because it, it's kind of understood that you're often going to serve several years before you could um, you know, be done with your service and apply to business school and all that stuff. So I think they get a little bit of pass there. But I still think that any good admissions reader is going to want to see evidence of academic aptitude, and they're going to rely a bit on that test to make sure that someone who's been out of school for so long is kind of ready to go. So, you know, doing well on the test would be a smart move, um, despite the fact that they have a good GPA and and it sounds like they went to a good um, undergraduate institution. I also agree with you that it is a little bit different to go and, and start working in the private sector. But... I mean, it, they had a rational um, explanation for it. I mean, they're going to be rolling off, I think, their service, and they're going to, you know, try to just get 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 rolling with, <laughs> with some private sector work, which I think would just help with the transition in the end. And um, I I don't think it's going to be a major factor, you know, in in their kind of application, right? I think what's what it's all going to come down to is the type of experience they've had in the military, their ability to kind of explain those goals, and and again to put forth a test score that sort of, um, you know eases any concerns admissions officers might have about an older candidate diving back into a very rigorous kind of curriculum, right? So, right. but I, I like this candidacy. And I did want to mention, um, you know, you talked about the long-term goal in kind of the sports apparel domain. They talked about Under Armour and Nike and all that stuff. So I think that um, that makes good sense. And it's kind of interesting too. And that reminded me that they, uh, they left us a comment where they said that they are a huge fan of the podcast. And they said, I eagerly await uh, to listen every Monday morning as I drive into work for physical training. So, I mean, they're clearly, you know, being in the military, they've got to be, you know, physically active and all that stuff. And so there's probably, um, maybe they do some, I don't know if they're a runner or what, whatever it might be that would dovetail nicely with these long-term goals, but hopefully there's some threads that they can, you know, weave together there to explain that long-term plan. But I, again, like this candidacy a lot and think that they, yeah, they just got to do well on the test and they should be in good shape. Yeah, yeah, and just you know, just to be clear, um, as they prepare very well for the test and and prepare thoroughly, um, leave leave themselves enough room to do a, a retake if that becomes necessary. Yes. Um, and and the, and the point here is, they're planning a year ahead, which is outstanding. So so they should strategically think about all right when to take the test that gives me an extra couple of three months to then um, prepare again for a retake if necessary, right? So yeah. um, hopefully the first time it's not necessary, but but, yeah. but leave that room. Yeah, yeah, that's actually good advice for anybody, right? I mean, yeah. so many people take this test twice and so many people find that they improve on that second sitting. So yeah, keep that in mind. Um, all right, I want to wish that person the best of luck. Thank them for posting and for tuning in for the last year and a half. Um, they uh, have probably <laughs> heard us profile a lot of different candidates. Um, so again, best they, of luck. They, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. They did have one other quick question, so I just wanted to clarify this. Okay. Because we always advise veterans to reach out to the veteran clubs of different programs right. to really sort of, you know, maybe get some advocates on their side to learn more about the experience of veterans in the programs or whatever, whatever the, the, the goal might be. It's, it's a smart thing to do. So the question is, do they just go directly to the contacts listed on the MBA admission sites um, for the various clubs or do they seek them out then through LinkedIn? I would have assumed the former, but I'm, I'm curious 
uh, as, as, as to your advice <laughs> so my answer is yes um, they probably should do both and the reason I say that is because we actually and this hasn't been unveiled to anybody yet but we're, we've currently been doing some research uh, at clear admit with the applicant pool and we found that a lot of candidates do reach out to current students via LinkedIn and that that's actually the preferred place that they want to have those conversations so it's not unusual at all to do it um, so I would advise, you know, why not do both? You know, if they, they can start with the veterans club, but if they see some people online that interest them or, you know, maybe, um, aren't like active and their, their face isn't, you know, um, printed on the, on the school's veterans website or something, but they know that there's a candidate, you know, maybe from the army or, you know, in a similar, had a similar role or something at the school and they can find them on LinkedIn. Why not? Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any, any problem there. So I would advise a little bit of both maybe. Yeah. No, very good. Very good. All right. So um, let's, again, thanks for that post. Let's move on though and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another Flywire entry that you've selected, Alex. And again, it's a candidate with a bit of lead time. It looks like they're um, looking to start school in the fall of 24. So a little bit of an early bird. The schools on this candidate's uh, target list are Columbia, London Business School, MIT, NYU, UCLA and Yale. And this person's um, done a lot of work in sales and marketing at a Fang company and, and also done some marketing at a SaaS startup, so software service um, startup. They, um, let's see, have been, so most of their career, I guess, um, yeah, it's been in this domain, but they're, they're looking to get into media. And they talk about companies like Comcast, Walt Disney, maybe Netflix, they have some others on the list. So a little bit of a pivot, although we don't know which Fang they worked at. So maybe, you know, if they worked at, at Netflix, then it wouldn't be a huge pivot, but it's hard to know. Um, GMAT score is 750. They have a 3.4 GPA, uh, which they earned at a top 10 university uh, in economics. Okay, so um, that's kind of the academic profile. They have five years of work experience located in the USA, and they want to land ideally in New York after business school. They also added in the notes that they are 27 years old um, and that they are a black American. Um, so that's um, their kind of ethnicity and stuff. Uh, there's a little bit of other things, but we'll get into it. I, I just, you know, it sounds like they're active with volunteering. They do some stuff with the Boys and Girls Club in their city, and they do some free SAT tutoring for inner city high school kids. So. There's a lot here, Alex. What did you make of this candidacy? And I particularly want you to comment on that school selection. Yeah, I mean, I think the school selection's wrong, and <laughs> I think this is an outstanding candidate. So um, it's absolutely fantastic. No, I mean, their school selection—they've targeted sort of M7 top 16 programs. They're all very good programs, but they have to take a punt on Harvard, Stanford, Wharton. Not that, you know, if, if Harvard, Stanford, Wharton admit, admit them and, and they get an offer at one of these other schools, there is some rationale perhaps that one of these other schools is, is the better fit for this particular individual, but they've got to be targeting um, the, the, the very best with this type of profile. I mean, it sounds, you know, the, their numbers are very good. I mean, yeah, three, four is a little bit low the, the, the median, but there's 750 on the GMATs above the median for the very top programs. It, their FANG experience is probably very good. Then they switch to a startup environment. So, so it sounds like their work experience is going to be really, really 
interesting for Adcom. They also volunteer in, outside of work. It sounds like they're doing, you know, nice things, which, you know, show that they're a good citizen and so on and so forth. So you combine all that together. They're also an underrepresented minority. I mean, even without being an underrepresented minority, I think there's so much to like here that they should be targeting the top. The fact that they're under underrepresented minority sort of uh, may add um, um, to their profile. And, and again, it's a little bit more about how that's presented challenges in their life to get to where they are today more so than the fact that they just check a box yeah um but 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 quite honestly graham yeah i mean i really hope i mean they did suggest that they're early in their research process which is absolutely correct because they're targeting next season right but please um accelerate that research a little bit and do a deep dive into wharton stanford and harvard and it doesn't mean to say that that they should be applying to all three of those programs, but identify one or two from those three that really fit their um, their interests and goals and, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And make sure they're included in that round one group of schools because, I mean, they can split their apps round one and round two because they're certainly not going to be overrepresented in the app pool next season. So maybe identify four programs that they really want to go for um, in round one. Um, and then, you know, with, with the idea that they can come back in round two if they need to. Yeah, I really like this candidacy. And, you know, the one thing that I was noting is that they claim they want to move, they want to pivot from the tech industry to the media industry. And they, they specifically would love to work at a streamer like Netflix or Hulu in content acquisition or on the strategy teams. And so the one thing I would ask them is, where are those teams located? I, they claim that they want to land in New York. So I'm assuming that that they, you know, those companies have teams in New York or mm. something, and that's what's maybe driving this. But with that in mind, it's like, okay, they want to be in media, they want to be in kind of strategy, um, and they want to be in New York. And so yeah, when I think about the school list, I start to wonder about, you know, they have NYU and Columbia on the list. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Those those schools do well in, in media as well. Um, Wharton, to my memory, and I would encourage this candidate to look into it in, in more detail, but Wharton does quite well in this domain as well. They have a very active media entertainment club, uh, obviously great proximity to New York City uh, as well. So, you know, I, I would be thinking that way. And then Harvard, I think, has also traditionally had nice relationships with the Disneys and, and you know, those types of um, entities. So I, I just, yeah, would encourage them to do a deep dive and to get, um, you know, get specific about which schools are likely to provide them with the most opportunities in the industry and market that they want. And yeah, and I, and I think, like you say, they have a lot of time. They can apply to some schools in round one and then apply to others in round two as needed. But this is a home run candidacy. I mean, the numbers are terrific, and I like the work experience. I think it's really interesting that they had this kind of fang experience and then um, joined what they call a small, a smaller unicorn in the Bay Area as a, they say as a BI analyst. I'm assuming that means business intelligence, or yeah. I'm not actually sure. Yeah. Um, but in any event, yeah, really interesting candidacy. Lots of good outside activities too. So. I think the world is their oyster. They just need to do their homework and, and figure out where they want to go and then put together some quality applications. Best of luck to them. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so thanks for picking that one. And thanks to them for posting. And yeah, best of luck. Uh, let's talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So this last candidate um, also says that they want to start in 24, but I think through the comments and discussion we had, it became clear that they're actually applying in round two. So they really want to start in 23. 
in the fall. Um, they've got Columbia, Stern, UCLA, USC, UT Austin, and Yale on their target list. They've been working in tech communications. So this person's kind of a writer doing comms for, for tech companies, and they want to pivot into media and work for a company like 20 or 21st Century Fox or CBS or, or Walt Disney. Um, so similar to our last candidate in that desire to work in, in media, um, GRE score is a 321, GPA 3.41. They have 10 years of work experience. They're located in Austin, Texas, and are pretty open about where they land post-MBA. Um, they've had a lot of different experience and, and actually a fair number of promotions in the last couple of years. They indicate that they kind of created their current role um, in a department that's a high visibility, um, I guess it's a, they're working with a high visibility, highly successful tech startup and that they're, um, because they're doing comms, they're very um, closely working with the executive leadership team and I guess it sounds like they also used to be a former speechwriter, um, have had some <laughs> fairly well-known uh, people that they've done some speechwriting for. So that's kind of the background on this. And Alex, I know you had some back and forth with them about you know, when they're applying and it turns out they're getting apps together for round two. And, and there's a little bit of a GRE dilemma here that they kind of um, asked you about. So what do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, again, this is an interesting candidate and I do, you know, their background, um, you know, starting, you know, their background in comms generally and, you know, on the creative side, the first, you know, part of their career and then more into the sort of the management of comms and, and, and so forth. Um, a little bit later, I think that that's going to help them stand out a little bit um, in in terms of it. It's a little bit different. They, there's just lots of good creative stuff in there, um, and then leadership a little bit later on, mm-hmm. um, and so forth. So I think that that would be very good. I'm not sure we got we got a lot of insight in terms of their outside of work activity, um, but um, you know, presumably there's something there um, to to shine a light on. The, the key here is um, a, someone that's worked in comms um, for, for a good period of time with a 341 GPA. I'm already wondering what, what the, the quants side of the profile is. Yeah. Um, so, so that's um, a potential um, um, dilemma. Um, I think they might have said that they have a, actually pretty decent math track record on their transcripts. So if they have that, well, actually, I know they said that, then that's going to be very helpful. But they got a 156 on the math side, the quant side of the GRE. Um, so that's going to raise a red flag, that component yeah, of low. the 321 GRE. Um, so the advice is to retake the GRE before the round two deadlines. They've taken up that advice, which is great. So they're scheduled to take the GRE um, 22nd of this month. So they're going to have a hectic time over the next several days prepping or re-prepping for the GRE because they hadn't had that in their plan um, about a week ago, right? So we started talking about that on Applywire. Then they reached out to their mentors and they gave them the same advice, right? Maybe it's the right thing to do. And to me, it is the right thing to do because um, again, it shows it, it shows an element of self-awareness to retake the test, to know that the 156 is going to create a concern. Now, let's say they retake this test, Graham, and, and well, let's say they improve that score, then job's done, they've improved their profile, etc. So it was a good move. If they don't improve that score, um, I would still say it was the right thing to do 
um, because it showed that self-awareness. And maybe there's another route to look at, i.e. just do MBA math or HBS core, or at least in their applications, in their optional essays, you know, say, look, I've taken the GRE twice, these are my scores, I know the 156 or whatever is going to cause some concern, despite the fact that I've got good math record in my transcripts from 10 years ago, I'm now going to do MBA math just to um, shore up that part of the profile so that I'm really ready to hit the ground running when I start my business school um, experience. So that, to me, they need to just address that. And this might be a very interesting candidate, Graham. Yeah, I mean, I that I had similar concerns because they've got 10 years of work experience. Yeah. And presumably it may be, you know, it's, yeah, the, the, the GPA is okay, 3.4. I mean, I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but obviously it's, when I say it's okay, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's a little below average at the very top schools, even though in, in the regular world, a 3.4 is a perfectly <laughs> respectable GPA. But the fact that they're 10 years out and that they perform poorly on the quantitative section of the GRE, like you say, red flag. And I would be worried about how is this writer or comms person going to do in a first semester that includes accounting, statistics, you know, operations, finance, macro or microeconomics. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a bit of a um, blitz of, you know, quantitative coursework in the first semester of almost any leading MBA program. So, and the other thing is, is that I would kind of put the schools that they have on their list into slightly different groups, right? I mean, Columbia or say Yale or, or, or Stern, um, you know, they've got really high averages when it comes to testing and, and you know, and, and, you know, GPA and stuff. Um, are those, you know, numbers a little bit lower when we talk about UT Austin or something, which is also on their list and, and where they happen to be located? Sure. Um, and so it's not going to be the same for all these programs, but I, I still think, you know, that they've made the right call to go and retake that test. Yeah. I'm hoping that they can, you know, bring things up a bit and that that'll, you know, help them to be more competitive. But I like you, I, I think it's a really interesting candidacy and they've had a lot of exposure to senior management. I mean, communications is important. You know, I think writing is kind of an underappreciated skill. And, and so I think they could add a lot to an MBA classroom and, and to an MBA community and to whatever, you know, organization they join. But they're they, better, to show. They, they better yeah. write good essays. Yeah, <laughs> I knew. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like um, they could do really well, but they need to give the committee some assurances, right, that they're going to excel. Yeah. And, and that's where this test comes in. And for, for better or for worse. Now, if the test goes belly up and they don't do well, they could apply. Um, they may also want to then start thinking about a backup plan, which could involve I don't know, taking MBA math or, you know, some sort of, um, you know, what we would call, I don't know, transcript repair type steps to show quantitative ability, and then maybe even take a flyer on a, you know, round three app or, or consider next fall. It's just that I ordinarily wouldn't tell someone who's this old to, to wait, right? So right. we'll see how it goes. I'm wishing them the best of luck on the 22nd. Hopefully they get um, <laughs> a great result on the GRE that, you know, boosts that score up towards the mid three, you know, 320s. And then we go from there. Very good. Best of luck to them. Yeah. Yep.
All right. So Alex, thanks for picking these out. Um, interesting. We had this kind of media theme and older candidate theme uh, across the, the, some of the profiles this week. So very cool stuff. Uh, we'll do it all in one week's time. I want to apologize to everyone for my voice this week. I have COVID, so I'm kind of trying to muscle through here. Um, but anyway, we'll do it all in a week's time, Alex. Yeah. Stay well, get well, Graham, stay safe, everyone. And we'll talk to you again next week. Take care.